Would do me a favor? Give a round of applause for the Silver Fox. <laughs> hey, I, I found out this week, who was it? Isaiah, you sent me the picture. One of the snow cone places have a, have a snow cone named the Silver Fox. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> where was that? Where, where, where was that? It was But where was it? Oh, uh, we're in Friendswood. Okay, there you go. So I've got to go try that now, see what it's like, see if it's any good. <laughs> listen, oh, by this, um, junior high, I mean, high school boys, you have something will be delivered to your small group later for winning the prize tonight, okay? Yep. Oh, it's terrible. Next week, you don't want to miss next week. Got some really cool prizes for you guys next week at Small Group uh, Games Night. Got some cool stuff happening. That'll be a great time. Also, you don't want to miss Monday night. Check out all the various social media spaces. There's something really cool happening. Uh, we're quite excited by it. I think it's going to be the first of many more to come. Uh, some really cool stuff happening. So I think you need to do, you know, go definitely make sure you're awake at Monday night at midnight. And yes, you can tell your parents, Adam said so. I have to stay up till midnight tonight, okay? <laughs> Especially all your junior hires. All right. I'll, I'll take all the phone calls. I won't. I'll just want to answer them. It's fine. Um, Tonight, uh, tonight's been a good night so far. Um, I'm super encouraged when in our worship space tonight. Um, really trusting that when you come here Wednesday nights, yes, you want it to be fun. Once you have a lot of fr- content, uh, connect, connection with your friends, want you to uh, have a great time. But the most important thing is want you to connect with Jesus. And if you're wrestling or struggling through anything, we want you to be able to find freedom uh, or the start of freedom in this place. So whether it be in worship. A prayer ministry time if we have one, or small groups who want you to be able to connect uh, and really dig deep and find freedom in those places. I want to encourage you now as you go to small groups, if you are struggling with something, open up in your small group. Let someone know. Let them know in your small group so they can pray for you, walk with you through it. A lot of times, especially with sin stuff, we need accountability. Uh, go on a journey. It doesn't just go away. You know, you've been doing this for a long time sometimes. And uh, you need to process a journey to get out of that thing. So we definitely want you to find freedom here more than anything else. But we also want to have a lot of fun, which is why we're doing next Wednesday. Lots of fun here next Wednesday night. Tonight, we're looking at uh, starting a mini-series for the next few weeks. After next week, we'll pick it back up again for a couple weeks called Who Are We? Uh, We've gone through the summer. Uh, The beginning of the summer, a lot of you sixth graders jump in with us. How many were first time you came through the summer the first time? How many of you? Put your hands up quick. You've been here with us for the first time through the summer. You joined us sometime during the summer. We're at sixth grade, or maybe just visited for the first time. Who knows? Through the summer. Okay, great. So a few of you guys here tonight, sixth graders and others, uh, joined through the summer, uh, recognizing that it's uh, back into school now, and you're kind of getting back in the swing of things, and things are starting to happen again. Um, We want to make sure everybody understands exactly who we are and why we do what we do. And so tonight, in the next few weeks, we're going to look at a couple key value points for us, which are extremely important. So we're starting this series, Who, Who Are We?, uh, tonight, we're going to specifically look at this, this little phrase here, navigating a committed path. We acknowledge our weakness as humans. This needs, this needs four elements to maintain wholeheartedness and devotion. So tonight, we're looking at wholeheartedness and devotion. What does it mean to be wholehearted and devoted to Jesus and following Jesus? And recognizing, realizing that we are humans and we have weaknesses. Yes, we've been taken. If you follow Jesus, you're giving your life to him. That you've been taken from sin and slavery and darkness and pain. And you're brought into life and freedom. Absolutely. You've been empowered by his spirit. Absolutely. But Paul says we have to get up and die to ourselves daily. Which means that every day we're fighting a battle out there. Every day you're confronted with temptation. And we give in. We're weak at times. And understanding we're weak, that it's only by Jesus we're able to fully live and experience his freedom, means we have to commit to a path that's going to take time. We have to commit to living our lives wholehearted and devoted to him. 
that anything less than wholehearted devotedness to Jesus will ultimately lead back into the places of Egypt we sang about earlier. Why do, we want, why do we want wholehearted and devoted? Why do we want you to be wholehearted and devoted? Why does the scripture call us to be wholehearted and devoted? One of the things we're looking at tonight is the life of David. David wrote a lot of the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms meaning songs, okay, that all the Psalms are kind of songs and worship songs. And David was a man who says he was after God's own heart. He was wholehearted and devoted in what he did. And even David still blew it, right? Even still, David did some really big things. I mean, David had an affair. He murdered a guy. Matter of fact, he murdered the guy the lady had the affair with. It was a big deal, right? Okay. But yet it, said, it says, the scripture tells us that David is that guy after God's own heart. He was wholehearted and devoted. We're going to look at his life, but why do we want to be wholehearted and devoted? Well, a big part of that is because we want to be able to hear God's voice, number one, consistently. And you do that by leaning into the four things we're going to chat about tonight. That's how you train ourselves to hear God's voice consistently and regularly in our life, when he speaks to us about things, when he encourages us with things. At the same time, we don't only want to just hear God, we also want to uh, 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 make sure we're feeding on the right things so we go in the right direction. So, so um, the last few weeks, about the last month or so, uh, I've started, uh, Jaden, you know, he does the Ninja Warrior training stuff, and Aaron does it as well, a little nine-year-old. We've switched gyms, and they've got an adult class, and I've started going to the adult class now at 50, almost 51 years of age. I'm swinging like a monkey bars and stuff, right? Uh, and every time I go, I have to go super early because I'm so old, my arms take forever to warm up, and it's super painful and hurting and everything else, right? But in that, I'm putting all this time and effort and energy into trying to get more fit and trying to swing through the air and be crazy and stupid again all over, right? Trying to do those things, but I got to make sure I'm putting the right stuff in my body. I got to make sure I'm feeding on the right things so I get where I want to go. And part of being wholehearted and devoted is understanding where and how and what do we need to be feeding on so we get to where Jesus is actually calling us. Because without these four elements, you're not going to go where he actually wants you and needs you to go. You're not going to walk in the fullness of the purpose for your life that he has for you if you don't know what to feed on regularly and how to do that well. So the two main reasons we're looking at wholehearted and devoted tonight and what it really means to be wholehearted and devoted, the four elements that make up wholeheartedness and devotion to him, because we want to hear his voice, we want to be feeding on what he's telling us to feed on to make us healthy spiritually, relationally. So so, so what I mean by that is when, when you want to hear God's voice, see, things happen in life, Right? Like, all you can hear my voice now, right? Can you hear me? You can hear me, okay? If your ears are working, you can hear me, right? We can hear you talking out there. We can hear you chatting back and forth because our ears work really well. But what happens is as we get older, as life happens, as we listen to loud music too much, we go to one too many concerts, we listen to worship music way too loud, a little too often, (laughs) It starts to slowly damage our ears, and through age, your hearing starts to disappear in certain spaces, and there's certain things that you just can't hear any longer. Not even talking about hearing itself, just general life things you just can't hear any longer because life happens to you. And part of being wholehearted and devoted is understanding how do we keep ourselves healthy so we can consistently our entire lives hear the voice of the Father when he speaks. Because if you're not careful, if you don't be, to really live a wholehearted, devoted life, what will happen is you're going to get hurt by somebody. You're going to get hurt somebody by, by somebody in this youth group. You're going to get hurt by a leader, possibly. You're going to get hurt by, by uh, someone in church at some point. You're going to get hurt by people at school, and you're going to say, oh, I'm hurt, I'm upset, and you're going to shut down listening and feeding on the right things, and you're no longer, you're no longer be able to hear the voice of God, and you'll start to drift in your life, and you're going to find yourself 20, 30, maybe even 40 years old going, what the heck has happened to my life? 
When I was a teenager, I knew Jesus so close. I mean, I'm sure I heard him. It was so amazing. But somewhere along the way, I've lost myself. I see it over and over and over again. I'm on phone calls regularly. I'm sitting in counseling sessions regularly with adults that have started hot, started excited for Jesus, yes. And then slowly they let bitterness come in. They let unforgiveness come in. They let pain and hurt come into life. They don't stick tight to being wholehearted and devoted. And those things they're listening to begins to divert them to a path which is not actually really designed for them. So I need someone, who's the, who's the youngest person, who's, who's uh, 10 years old here tonight, 10 years? Who's 10 years old? Put your hand up. You're 10. You need 10-year-olds. 11? If you're 11. Okay? 11 and you, 11, when was, when was the most recent birthday? Last month? Who had a birthday last month? Turn, turn to 11 last month. Turn 11 last month. Okay? Come on up. Come on up. Noah, Noah come on up here. Stand, stand right here in this step. Noah, stand right here in this step. Turn and face all these amazing people. Yeah, right there. They're good. Okay? All right. Uh, let's look at, give me a ninth grader. Who's a ninth grader tonight? Ninth grade. Ninth grade? Ninth grade? Yeah, good. Okay, come on over here. Come on up. Come on. Stand right here on the step right here. Right there beside Noah. Okay, uh, give, me, uh, give me a 12th grader. Senior. Who's a senior? Give me some seniors in the house. Yeah, come on up, Aiden. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, who's, who's see, ninth grade, 18? Give, anybody like 23 in here? 23, 24? 20, yeah, yeah, right. Any leaders? You wish you were 23, 24. Any leaders? 20, mid-20s. Mid-leaders. Leaders, mid-20s. Yeah, here's some. Here's some over here. Yeah, okay. Yeah, any one of you ladies. Come on up. Volunteer. Come on up. Come on up. Come on. Yeah, there we go. Stand right up on the step. Right here on the step, okay? There's mid-20s. Okay, give me somebody who's 30 to 40 years of age. Adult leader. Yeah, all of you. Okay, yeah. 30 to 40. 30 to 40. Yes, back there. Come on up, Lyric. Come on down. Come on down. Okay, give me somebody who's 40 and older as a leader in this room. That's not me. <laughs> Come on up, Ashley. Come on, Ashley. Okay, and, and anybody over 50 in this room? Come on up, Mark. <laughs> okay, so... You sound guys, get ready, okay? So we're going to play a noise right now, all right? I'm going to tell you, all of you in this room are probably going to hear this noise, and it's going to irritate you, okay? Everybody up to somewhere right in this zone will be hearing the noise. Most likely from right here somewhere onwards, we'll be standing here smiling happily, not hearing a thing, okay? So if we can go ahead, if we can go ahead and let's play that noise. One, two, three, go ahead and play it, please. Okay, so if you're... If you're standing up here, okay, you can turn it off now, okay? So did you guys hear that noise? Okay. So we're standing up here. If you heard it, lift your hand up if you heard the noise. Oh, oh. he's like, I didn't hear a thing. I am the you, perfect example. Your, ears are, your ears are deaf, okay. You didn't hear the noise. No. Okay, you did not hear the noise. Did not hear it. The dog whistle? <laughs> okay, let's, let's play it one more time. Let's play it one more time, okay? Ready? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, come down to the bottom there, maybe. Come down to the bottom, maybe. Maybe down there will help. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, ready? Ready? Let's play the noise. Okay, thanks, 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 thanks. Okay. So, let me explain what's happening here. So, I heard nothing. You hear anything? You hear anything? Yeah, yeah exactly. You heard a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. 
Yeah, you guys heard it, okay? So what happens as you get older, you start losing the older frequency, the, the higher frequencies in your hearing, okay? You start, so we can't, we can't hear a thing. Now, that noise that you guys heard was designed as a special device in the UK because they had some rough teenagers causing problems by shops and things like that. And they put these devices outside, and at night when the teenagers show up, they turn these pulses noise out there, and eventually all the teenagers leave, but the adults who keep shopping in the shops. No lie, true story, okay? Absolutely true. It was called the teenager repellent, okay? I promise you, promise you what happened, okay? Okay, so, but the point is this. As you get older, if you don't take care of your spiritual life and feed on the right things, everybody else is hearing God and Jesus is amazing, and you're standing there like, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't hear it. Thank you so much. You guys can sit down. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. So I want to show us the four elements tonight that go into being wholehearted and devoted. What does it take to be wholehearted and devoted? But I want to show one more thing, too, because I think it's one of my, like, favorite crazy movies. It's an old-school movie. You probably know the movie. Uh, old-school movie. But it has to do with having the right appetite. That if you have the wrong type of appetite, you're feeding on the wrong things, bad things can happen. So let's watch this video clip, please. Need some sound. Need some sound. Okay, let's stop the video and go back, because it's important. You got to hear it. Okay? We're going to go back and need some sound there, Okay? When you're ready, you can show the video. Please stop. Oh, these guys are my favorite. These guys are my favorite.
Great, just thanks. That's good. <laughs> so there, there's a, that's such a great picture of what you're feeding on and what it does to you. And then the right moment, that temptation comes. This is amazing. This is incredible. This is what you really need right now. This, nobody's ever experienced before. This is what everybody else is doing, whatever it may be. And you grab the temptation and you start to consume or partake and do whatever it is. And next thing you know, you find yourself like violet, becoming violet like a big blueberry. And you need to be squeezed to get all the junk out of you, right? And so then you come here on a Wednesday night and hopefully worship's good and hopefully somebody preaches a good message. And you think, oh, yes, thank you, Jesus, your grace. And it is true, his grace is abundant. And you get squeezed and you go, oh, that's so good. And you go back out next week and guess what? The same thing happens again. You grab the piece of gum because we're feeding on the wrong things. We're feeding on the wrong things. What voice are you listening to, training yourself to hear well, and what are we feeding on? So critically important. Wholehearted and devoted. There are lots of people that were wholehearted and devoted in Scripture. The one we're going to look at tonight is David, but there's a whole host of people. Noah was considered righteous and perfect in his generation. Mary Magdalene followed Christ with wholehearted and devotion in her worship. Uh, uh, um, Job was declared to be perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and runs away from evil. Uh, Hannah's unwavering commitment and sacrificial devotion to her nation was turned to, turned to, turned to God, caused her entire nation to turn to God in a single generation. Hezekiah said this of himself, I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion. There are multiple people. There's Abraham and Sarah's wife and Esther and Mordecai. There's a whole host of New Testament people that were called wholehearted and devoted. But the one we'll look at tonight is David. David. David's. Says, uh, David uh, says that he, he even had a son uh, called King Solomon, was David's son. And he says David's son wasn't as devoted as David was. Matter of fact, it says this about David's son. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. That's in Kings 11 through 4. In Psalm 101, 2 through 4, it says this, because David recognized that, yes, I'm wholeheartedly and devoted, but I recognize I'm still a human I'm still struggling here. I'm still struggling to walk in this thing of salvation. I'm still struggling to walk in the power of the Spirit, even in Old Testament context. And David says this in Psalm 101. says, I'm trying my best to walk in the way of integrity, especially in my own home. But I need your help. I'm wondering, Lord, when you will appear. I despise what is evil and anything that moves my heart away from you. I will not let evil hold me in its grip. Every perverse and crooked way I put away from my heart, for I will have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. But he says, but I need your help. You have to commit to a path of walking with Jesus. Commit to a path of walking with his presence and spirit. Wholehearted devotion, the first thing you need is a pure heart. A pure heart. In, uh, in, sorry, in Psalm 51, uh, 51, 10 through 11, says this. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God. This is David speaking. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. A pure heart. Create in me a clean heart, a pure heart. Part of having a pure heart 
means you're pursuing the things of Jesus. It means what are you filling your life with? Part of having a pure heart means you're living in a way that's righteous. What does that mean? Righteous means right living. Now, what we want to be careful is that we don't want, it's all about just doing the right things. Because without the power of Jesus, without his grace, without his spirit, none of that's possible. Okay? But think about this. If, if, if I'm married to Vanessa, right? Am I married to Vanessa? If I am wholehearted and devoted to her, does my heart need to be chasing after other ladies? Would that be pure? Why, what is it about me? What keeps my heart pure? The fact that I love her, right? I love her, and we've been married. This last Sunday was 23 years to be married, this last Sunday. Yeah. She should get the cheering award, not me, because she had to put up with me for 23 years, okay? <laughs> but wholehearted and devoted, what keeps my heart pure is my love for her. How does my love for her work? Guess what? Some days we wake up and we ain't so pretty anymore. You ever seen somebody first thing in the morning? You ever smell people's breath first thing in the morning? It has nothing to do with love languages, I can tell you that. Ain't nothing lovely about it. I mean, yeah, one day you're going to grow up and get married, and the first couple of days you're like, oh, you're so cute in the morning. Oh, you're so cute. I'm so beautiful. Yeah, after about two weeks of that, you're like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Like, give me a kiss. Mm, have you brushed those teeth first? <laughs> you go through the day, and, and she's under pressure, and I'm under pressure. Life's pre- got pressure on us. We got, we're stressed. And she says something that's a bit like, <laughs> to me. <laughs> In that moment, I'm like, I don't know I love you right now. I ain't feeling no love. But that's the key. I'm not feeling love, and love is not just emotion. See, to keep a pure heart, even when I don't feel emotion, soft, ooey-gooey, lovey emotion towards her, I still focus on her, and I still have to pursue her to keep the marriage working for 23 years. That's the only way you stay together, through good and the bad. There may be days, there may be weeks. Some people go through months where there's no feeling, but they have to keep their eyes focused to pursue and build a healthy love relationship. You're going to go through times your relationship with Jesus to keep a pure heart. It means not just, oh, I feel great, it's great, it worship's great, worship's great. Oh, I'm not feeling so great this week, so I'm not going to go to youth. I'm not going to church. I'm not reading my Bible. I'm going to feel good. You're letting your emotions lead you, and the danger is that you end up just like Violet. You become impulsive. You make unhealthy decisions. You keep a pure heart. It's saying, even though I'm not feeling anything, I'm focusing on you, Jesus. Even though I don't feel it right now, I'm still going to read the scripture. Even though I don't feel it, I'm going to pray. Even though I don't feel it, I'm going to worship tonight. I'm going to sacrificially lift my hands and sing as loud as I can, even if I don't feel a thing, because I'm going to stay focused on you, Jesus. And that's how we maintain a pure heart. Keeping our hearts pure towards Jesus. Understanding that a pure heart is quick to repent when we blow it and make mistakes, when we sin. A pure heart is quick to forgive when hurt has come. But you can only do that if you're focused on Jesus. If your heart is in, in, impure in any way, the moment hurt comes, the moment bitterness comes, the moment somebody hurts you like that, the first thing you want is you want to hold on to that. 
It feels good to hold on to that anger. It feels good to hold on to that bitterness. I'm not saying people that abuse. Abusive situations need to come to a stop immediately. If you're being abused in any way, you need to let a leader know. Period. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking normal life living, maintaining a pure heart by focusing consistently on Jesus. Paul actually, I mean, uh, David actually says this. Psalm 19. I'm sorry, oops, wrong. Yeah, in that verse, he said, create in me a pure heart. See, it's not you that can put the pure heart. Do you understand that? It's not just by what you do. By focusing on Jesus, Jesus is putting the pure heart in you. So when the temptation comes, when that thing comes, it's like, ah, Jesus has done something inside. I don't want that anymore. I don't want to turn into a blueberry and need to be squished anymore. Thank you. (laughs) They got it. Because Jesus is putting a pure heart in me as I stay focused on him. The next thing, after a pure heart, let's go to the, the, the slides seem to have gotten out of a bit of order. A saturated in the word. Saturated in the word. Have a pure heart. In order to keep a pure heart, we have to stay saturated in the scriptures. David attributed many defining benefits to God's word. David attributed many defining benefits to God's word. In in, uh, Psalm 19, 7 through 10, it says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, sure, making wise and simple. Now, I want you what he's doing here. He's, He's actually talking about God's word. The law, then the testimony, then the precepts, then the commandments. He keeps going through. So the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. So back in the day, sugar was like a big deal. It's not like nowadays, sugar's in everything, right? If it's not sweet, we're not eating it most of the time, okay? Back in the day, sugar was a rare thing. The only way to get sugar back then was from honey. And just like today, sugar made things really good to eat. And so, like with me, if you've got a box of donuts in here, I'm probably going to eat it. I'd give in to that temptation. Why? Because the sweet, the doughy, the, it's just so good. The crunchy outside with all the icing on it and the soft inside. The bread's kind of sweet and it's nice and warm, like a warm donut. Just icing oozing down the sides of it. It's so good, isn't it? It's just, man, it's good. That sweetness makes it good. Exactly, I know. So the sweetness is what makes it good. And he's saying here, it's better than anything sweet you've ever eaten. <laughs> that God's word is just like that, if not better than the amazing things you've eaten. Think of the best food you've eaten in life. The most amazing food you've eaten. I mean, I've had some amazingly good food. The one thing that sticks out of my head uh, memory-wise is uh, we were traveling a couple years ago, me and a couple of boys, I was speaking at a conference in, uh, in, I just decided, Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and went to a, like a fancy pants restaurant there one night, and uh, we ordered Wagyu beef, the top grade Wagyu beef. They brought, what, like three or four ounces out, had it very thinly sliced, and i never forget taking that little thin slice of steak, and they put it on the little brick there, cooked it in front of us, and put it on your plate, and just a little bit of salt all over it, right? And then you took that little bit of slice of beef and you laid it on your tongue and it just started to melt away. You're like, oh, oh. 
Like, we will never forget that moment. We had sushi that night. They brought out this, like, ice things, flowers everywhere, and those little pieces of fish, raw fish. I know it's going to be like, ew, it tastes fishy. None of it tasted like fish. This tasted like a bit of nuts, and this tasted sweet, and that tasted like cotton candy, and that tasted, it was like all kinds, it didn't taste like fish. It was incredible. It was an amazing meal. I'll never forget that night, that meal. Never forget it. Some of the best food I had. And yet, David's saying here, Scripture is better than the best food you had. I wonder how many of us spend regular time just reading Scripture. Just pick, pick some things and start reading in it. Go to your small group and maybe do a, a reading together consistently through, through the various Bible apps that are out there. But finally, consistent time to read Scripture because reading Scripture, saturating yourself in God's Word, it's the words He wrote to you. It is His love letter to you. It's how He's saying, I love you over and over and over and over again. And that's part of keeping the pure heart as we're focusing and we're saturating ourselves in his word and we're hearing him speak over us in his word over and over and over again. It causes you to fall in love with him more and more and more. And you walk in this journey of wholehearted and devoted, being saturated in his word. The next thing is being persistent in your prayer, being persistent in your prayer. Now, I know prayer's got a bit of a bad rap because most of the time when you hear people praying, it's like this. What are you doing? I'm praying. How do we know you're praying? It's silent. We're all on our heads about it. And then over and over again, the examples we see in Scripture are rarely silent. Most of the examples we see in Scripture are rarely silent. That's not to say silent prayer is bad, but a lot of the examples we see in Scripture are people vocally saying, yes, I love you, Jesus. Jesus, help me in this place today. We're going to celebrate you here today. Whatever it is, you're just talking, you have a conversation with Jesus. Prayer meetings are some of the most difficult things to get attendance in. If I say we're going to start a youth prayer meeting, the first week, there'll be 50 of you here. Yeah! Second week, 30. Yeah! By the sixth week, it'll be 10 of you. Yeah! Because <laughs> prayer is difficult. Prayer is hard, but it's hard when you're trying to do it on its own. It's hard when you don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's hard when you're just coming in and hoping the prayer meeting is going to fill you up, do something for you, and it makes you feel good. Prayer is hard. Prayer gets easier when you keep the pure heart by focusing on Jesus, saturating yourself in his word. The next thing you want to do is talk back. <laughs> if Vanessa is saying to me over and over again, as I'm focusing on her and locking on her consistently, and she keeps telling me, writing me love letters and telling how amazing I am and how gorgeous I am and how good I am at everything I do and how cool I am and how great my hair is. And yes, I am her silver fox, baby. That is, she keeps telling me. <laughs> so what is my natural response? She starts telling, I'm listening to her voice over and over again. What do I want to do? Yes, I love you and you're amazing. You're my girl. And I'm going to hold you and squeeze you my whole life and you're incredible. I want to talk back, Right? That's what prayer is. It's part of the conversation. It's part of the conversation with Jesus. And the reason prayer is hard, because most of the conversation is a one-way street. Do you like somebody to talk at you all the time? You know, like your parents sometimes. It happens, right? Your parents start talking at you, and you're like, mm, don't you dare do that. <laughs> but I know I'm a dad. I talk at my boy sometimes, like, dang it, don't need to do that. 
You don't like people talking at you all the time. You want people to connect with you. That's why reading scripture, keeping the pure heart, locking onto Jesus, reading the scripture. And as you read that, then suddenly the outflow of that is just, I want to pray. I want to engage you. I want to have a conversation with you and listen some more and talk some more and listen some more. That changes the nature of your prayer life and it changes the nature of prayer meetings. Just a whole bunch of people love Jesus talking together. Prayer doesn't become this, this, this thing where I just do once a day and the rest of the day I don't think about it. Prayer becomes this thing that I'm doing here and I'm doing here. Um, as I'm walking down the hallways of my school, I'm praying. And I'm sitting down at lunch and I'm praying. In between every thought, in between other conversations, I'm having conversations with God consistently and regularly because it's an ongoing, never ceasing, is what Paul tells us. To pray without ceasing because it's a conversation happening. Persistent in prayer actually says this. In Psalm 19, verse 12 and 13. Psalm 19, verse 12 and 13. Who can discern his errors? This is David talking to himself. Who can discern his errors? In other words, can you really discern what's your motivation in your heart? You think you want something good, and actually it's not really good at all, right? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also presumptuous, presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. What he's saying here is I need to spend time with you in prayer so you can speak to me about what's going on in my life, the good things and the bad things, so it keeps me from walking into sin into the future. You want a sure way of keep for you from going into sin over and over again? That same thing that keeps holding you back is spending time in prayer. Because he's going to remind you, hey, you are not this person any longer. You are now a son and daughter of my kingdom. This is not who you are any longer. Keep he's going to keep telling you. And when you do blow, he goes, hey, that thing, no, 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 check your attitude there. No, 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 check your attitude. No, no, you need to be forgiven. You need to go ask for forgiveness there. He's going to be speaking to you consistently about your heart, which loops around to keep your heart pure, to cause you to jump into scripture, which feeds into more prayer. And it's like a loop. It keeps going around and around and around, which leads us to the last thing. Unrestrained worship. Unrestrained worship. Psalm 63, 1 through 3 says this. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Like in the middle of a desert craving, dying for water, that's what you are to my spirit is what he's saying. That's what worship's about. Now we have an incredible worship culture here at One Life Youth on Wednesday nights. We've got a great worship culture on Sunday mornings at our church, One Life Church. But what I want us to be very cautious of is that our worship sits here, our times of worship here doesn't become just an emotional experience, just a time for you to gather with a few friends and just pray a bit and have a few tears and it's all over, or just for you to feel something when you worship, like at a concert, feel a bit and now I'm okay. That's not the point of worship for you to feel something. The point for worship is to celebrate Jesus. And, and, and what, what I want to be, be cautious against is that we're just a culture here which just, we're going to worship, we're going to worship, and then we walk out those doors and we keep living exactly the same way week after week after week. Nothing is changing in your life. There is no wholehearted devotedness going on in your life, which means all this is just a lie. You can go to a concert and do the same thing, feel some of the same things. This has to be sincere and real. 
This has to come from a heart of, yeah, I've blown it. Yeah, I'm in a mess, but I'm going to worship you no matter what, whether I feel like it or not. And all that sincerity, that wholehearted devotion that's expressed in unrestrained worship here comes from a pure heart here, leading to prayer, leading to, leading to scripture reading, leading to prayer. All that feeds into, yes, I'm going to worship. It works together. So if you're struggling in worship, then my challenge to you is go back and check this. Are your eyes focused on Jesus consistently and regularly in a pure heart, letting him speak to you and challenge you consistently? Are you reading scripture consistently and regularly in your life? Are you spending time in prayer regularly in your life? Because if those things are in line, then this space is probably going to be pretty fruitful consistently. And when I say doing these things, not just the religious thing. Yes, I have a devotion every morning, and I journal in my journal every day about prayer, and I do this every day. No, no, I'm talking about authentic, real, being real with Jesus where you are. Letting scripture impact you, change you. And yes, there'll be seasons when you go through dry times. But you're going to keep up your heart anyway. You're going to read anyway. You're going to pray anyway. And you're going to unrestrained worship anyway. Because we're not basing it on feelings. Now David spoke about unrestrained worship here. That, that song we just read was a song he wrote, by the way. A psalm, a song he wrote. And another place in scripture actually tells us that David got so excited about the ark, by the presence of God coming back into their town and their village again, back to the temple. He got so excited that he was in the street and he ripped off his cloak. He ripped off his clothes and effectively danced around in his underwear in the middle of the street. He got so excited. <laughs> we ain't doing that here on Wednesday night. Sorry. Do I not know that, okay? We'll, we'll express ourselves in other extreme ways. You're going to keep your clothes on, okay? Just putting that out there, all right? But for some of you, unrestrained worship might be this. This is, you've never done that before. What the heck is this even? Like laser bombs, what is that? Laser beams, what's going on here? The scripture tells us to lift holy hands. It's a natural response of the human body. When you're at a concert and you're moved by the music of the concert, what do we all do? We do the same thing in a concert because you're moved by it. Something's happening and your natural response is yes. When you cheer and celebrate, you don't do this. Okay. What do you go? Yeah! Right? So that's what we say, lifting our hands and celebrating and worship, unrestrained. But some of you, that's here. Sometimes when the song gets going and you kind of, everybody starts jumping and you kind of go, that's okay. One step at a time. But I want to challenge you to lose yourself in worship. Unrestrained worship. Let worship become to you like David just spoke about here, that, it, that it's water in the desert on a dry land, dry and weary land. That you come in here dry, weary, school's tough, life's tough. Maybe things are going bad in relationships. Something's difficult. It's tough right now. And let worship be like water poured upon your dry, weary spirit. And celebrate. Wholehearted and devoted. Big value for us. Big value for us. That's why we're constantly pushing, constantly trying to lead out, constantly trying to step out. We're going to have fun, yes. We have some great times, yes. But I'd rather have 30 of you wholehearted and devoted than 200 that are just here for a good worship service and see you later. You know why? Because I want you to hear the voice of the Father your entire life. I want you to be feeding on the right things your entire life. So you don't stand one day in your life, in your 30s or 40s, and God's speaking loudly, and you stand here like this, I don't hear a thing. I want you to hear God your entire life. 
to walk in your purpose, walk in his plans. You have incredible adventures awaiting for you, every single one of you. There are churches to be planted out of this group. There are small groups to be started out of this group. There are businesses to be launched in kingdom ways out of this group. There are school teachers to go into schools to carry the light of Jesus into a very dark place right now out of this room. There are doctors, there are lawyers, there are housewives and house dads to carry the light of Jesus in every place you set your foot in this room waiting for incredible adventure. There are teenagers in this room ready to be cast out to the nations right now, next year, on mission trips and other trips to to, to go and experience Jesus and share the love and the light of Jesus in the nations of the world and have incredible adventures with him in this room if we live wholeheartedly and completely devoted to him. And it's going to challenge some of you. Sports is the biggest God we have in America for teenagers. Sports. Practice every single night in some sport you've got. Or multiple sports you're playing. Nobody's evil. I'm not saying the coach is evil. I'm not saying the schools. None of that. I'm just saying that we've, we've made this thing where sports is a thing. We're trying. We're pushing, pushing. Go athletic. Be athletic. Or if it's not sport, then it's singing or it's plays. Or it's all these things that command, demand so much of our time. And yes, not as a youth leader, but as a spiritual human being, as a man who loves Jesus, I get frustrated when I see your lives are so busy that one night a week you struggle to come and just celebrate and worship Jesus. Because <laughs> then it starts me thinking, what the heck's going on the rest of your week? Are you so busy with homework and sports and activities and going here and going there? Do you have any other time for Jesus in your entire week? That frustrates me. I'm not against sports at all. I just told you, we're going to gym regularly now, three times a week. Jade, myself, and Aaron absolutely love it. Wonderful thing. Good for you. Great to learn things. But when it's caking over and consuming your life, and you find no time for anything else but sports or school or your friend activities, and there's no time for Jesus, then I can tell you where your life will end up in the end. You're going to need a lot of squeezing down the road, like Violet, because you fed on the wrong things for a long time. Worshiping, go ahead and come back up. We sing this song tonight to close. I'm not going to be long in it because I want you to get your small groups and process some of the stuff we spoke about here tonight. I realize it went a bit long tonight, but I want to encourage you and I hope you understand that this is critically important, wholehearted, devoted. It's not about just trying more either. It's not about trying and doing better. It's about resting in Jesus from the beginning, pure heart, resting in him and his presence, Scripture, resting in it. Pray, resting in it. And unrestrained worship. You do those things collectively, regularly. Your life takes on a different meaning and a different purpose. Let's go ahead and stand. You can come on down front if you want. As we're singing this last song, I just want you to respond. In the response, in your worship, maybe in just a time of prayer with Jesus. I just want you to respond in the sense that what are some things holding you back from being wholehearted and devoted? What's going on in your life right now? Is it a boyfriend, a girlfriend? Is it a TV series, watching too much? Is it YouTube, you're watching too much? Social media, sports, what's going on in your life that's holding you back from being wholehearted and devoted and giving everything you've got? Not against any of those things. 
But if we don't find time for Jesus in our life, it's just another event in your life. Nothing special. Father, we're grateful for all that you're doing with us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. That you challenge us and stir us in this time of worship and prayer as we close. You stir our hearts. Show us the things that are keeping us from being wholehearted and devoted. And if we're living in a, the best we can in a wholehearted, devoted way, that your spirit would empower us to continue to sustain that in our life. That there'd be no condemnation of, I've got to read more, I've got to do more. It's not about doing more, but it's about being with you regularly, Jesus. Hearing your words of love and grace and challenge over our life and us responding back to you in praise and worship and adoration. That tonight would be a place of grace to step out again and wholehearted devotedness to you. We love you, Jesus. I'm gonna sing till my heart starts changing. Oh, I'm gonna worship till I mean every word. Cause the way I feel and the fear I'm facing doesn't change who you are. 